Hey there. I don't know if you remember, but uh, we have a Patreon. And in fact, right now we are doing a little push to try to get our Patreon up to make it so this podcast no longer costs us money. So if you've been enjoying our shows, we have a goal right now. We want to get to a total of $50 a month from our patrons at whatever level. Once the total hits 50, we're going to add some bonuses for you. Namely, we're going to add the option to suggest and vote on movies for us to cover in a month when there is a fifth Thursday. And also we're going to have a poll. So we will allow you listeners and patrons to suggest a theme month for us. So if you like the show, please spread the word to your friends. And if you're financially able, we would really appreciate you going to patreon.com slash trash watch and supporting today. Welcome back to the Trash Watch Podcast, where this week we're all Richard Stanley after we found out about the casting of Marlon Brando and the direction of Roman Polanski, we called Skip the Soothie Warlock, a friend of ours to curse Brando's performance, but to somehow save the movie. But a few months later, Brando's daughter kills herself. Richard Stanley's fired from the movie, snuck into the movie so he could still have his name credited to it and also hired local shamans to curse the rest of the movie. So we all got to experience that this week. I'm we Chris. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> it was always burning since the world's been I'm Brian. I'm Brandon. I'm Ashley. <laughs> there is so much about this movie. There is so much like. I'm going to try to like condense as much as I can down, like to not like all the nitty gritty details about what happened in this movie. But yeah, like, I feel I feel like it almost it's probably like if you want like the full story, you mean like watch the documentary, like which yeah. I mean, I haven't yet as of this record, but I feel like that's soon to be on my watch list. Well, the the alternate opening to this week's episode that I wrote was just like, oh, OK, uh, this is the island of Dr. Moreau or. Chris asked the question that everybody's been wondering is, does Marlon Brando want to fuck a cat? There's so much to divulge in this movie, and there's so much that happened that changed the original idea of what it was supposed to be. So is, are you saying that's why he randomly brought a cat onto the set of The Godfather? Yeah. Was like, this, was, this was my hookup last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you, wait, are you saying there's a plan for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Because if you told me this movie happened by accident, someone was like, oh, shit, all those cameras accidentally turned on and their special effects makeup guys were just dicking around on a bunch of extras. And oh, what the hell? A movie. I mean, technically, it did happen by accident, but like by shaman based accident, I guess. (laughs) And the thing that's so interesting, and obviously we'll get to it further in the episode when we meet the man, but Val Kilmer really is the reason why this movie failed as hard as it did, because originally This was just supposed to be a new line cinema, eight million to ten million dollar, no budget, just have fun schlock fest that you put out as a grindhouse feature for Saturday, like afternoon goers or whatever. Make your money back on it. Have the silly sci fi whatever out of it. Somebody at new line said, hey, we want to make a lot more money on this. So we got Val Kilmer. He'll sign on. Here's thirty five million dollars. Good luck. This was this director's very first non-independent film. And they're like, by the way, we're going to just quadruple your budget right now. But now that gets me thinking, because I think the timeline would probably line up pretty well. Like 
So New Line has just had this horrific disaster that is this movie, and they're just like on the ropes as like, and it's the perfect time for Peter Jackson to walk in and be like, Can I make Mohabit movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I mean, my yeah, because... New Zealand by way of Liverpool accent. I was like, it's like, oh shit, yeah. I forgot Peter Jackson's in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's how he got all that footage for get for the get, That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this movie. I maybe it is just the history, but it's so bonkers, it's so weird, it's so unattainably like it, you don't have to think about any of it, just let it come at you. As I meant like message Brian, just just enjoy the ride. Don't try to overthink this. Just, just you know, lay it out. You'll be fine, you know. And it's a wild, fun trip, man. Ashley, guys, for, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ashley is. Ash, Ashley, I I'm feel so like I'm so worried just, about Ashley's opinion. Like, I'm waiting for us to be me. like, "Fuck the fart asses." I'm done, and just like disconnect. <laughs> this movie, <laughs> I wish I'd read the sh- the story because yeah. I feel like it would make more sense to me why this exists. Mm-hmm. Ashley. Because <laughs> like, I can see it, but I know Brian did. I read did it. read the story. <laughs> and like, frankly, like the only way to make this work is you just have to make it a, a cheesy, like campy throwback type thing. Yeah. Like, because also the kind of blows my mind, the original story, like it's, it's so just weird in of itself. Yeah. Because I mean, like in the original story, the idea is that he's, it's essentially just doing surgery on animals to make them slightly more human and then teaching them to be human. Like he's not doing like in this movie, he's doing genetic tampering. Whereas yeah. in the original, it's just like, oh, I, uh, I removed your kidney and you're uh, you're a zebra now, or is it the zebra as a human now? Like we'll get into this, but I don't want to sell short that he's, he's doing genetic surgery on animals mm-hmm. to, pr- to take out the genetic evil in humans. Yeah. And instead of like starting with humans and trying to genetically remove the evil, he's like, okay, well, first I take an animal and then I genetically modify it into a human and then it won't have evil. Well, if he tested on humans, it would be unethical. That's true. He is the <laughs> peak of ethics. Yep. And then when, when we get to the, the, the birthing scene, there I have... I have so many questions. I have so many questions. This actually would have been a perfect episode for Clayton, for Clayton Corner. Clayton Corner's going off all this week. <laughs> Here's a fun little Clayton's Corner fact. Clayton owns this movie. I <laughs> fucking knew it. I knew he did. Of course he does. Because I also own this movie and I fucking love it. Like Clayton and I should be best friends. <laughs> well, he told me he watched it once and hasn't watched it since. <laughs> he bought it, watched it, and hasn't watched it since. I'm gonna watch it with him and make it watch him watch it with me. <laughs> I tell you what, bud, I love you so much. But if I wake up and you're like in my living room watching this yeah. goddamn movie, I yeah. uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, we're gonna take a timeout. We're gonna have like a five day timeout. <laughs> I was like, all right, need a break. <laughs> we'll break. I'll see you at the record, but otherwise, yeah, no, thank you. Brandon, Brandon will will strap Chris down to a table and try to remove the evil gene. All right, so let's let's get into it again. This movie is from 1996. And it stars do, 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 do. David Thewlis, yes, David Val Thewlis. Kilmer, Marlon Brando. Brando, a Marlon Brando impression. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to devote like an hour of the episode to that. It was the most joy I felt the entire time. Because mm-hmm. and like you guys would like you both texted about it, and I forgot. That's the joy and excitement of this movie is you forget parts of it, and then when you see it again, you're like, "Fuck, this is so much fun." 
and so stupid. You know, I don't know that I had that response, but yeah, considering that half of us like watched it in chunks, I don't know if fun is the right <laughs> word. Yeah, I watched this all one in one fell swoop. You, you cowards took breaks. I watched it three times this weekend. Chris. <laughs> well, Chris. You know what? Guilty. You know what? We're not, not going to yuck your yum, pleasure, bud. man. I'm not going to yuck your yum. Love it up. Yeah. Chris is doing uh, the podcast on nightmare mode. Just yeah. it's true. It's true. But hey, OK, at least at least this is not on par with with Max Payne, because at least there's something to yes. this movie and something to actually yeah, this. This is this, this movie. movie is fascinating. Brian, is the book world set in 2010? Or is uh, 2010 no, the, the book is set in probably 1896. Like It's contemporaneous when it came out. Like I'm mm-hmm. assuming. I didn't figure it was all the way, you know, that far in the future, considering that. But I was like, why 2010 then for the setting? Oh, I I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's in I like the, it's in the blurb. Huh. Oh, like, I didn't read the 2010. <laughs> like, huh. yeah, this guy, I, I would have just assumed yeah. that it was set in 1996. I that, know. That, well, that feels in- like a detail they put in to be like, hey, let's make this 14 years in the future and maybe people will be on board with it. I don't know. Right. It's like Moreau disappears this year or something. Yeah. Right? Well, you like, guys remember when cry. that UN guy, you know, 12 <laughs> years ago when that UN guy came back from the the was it Java Sea? Yeah. yeah. Like and, and that's the other thing is, is they they make this this main character a, a member of the UN. And instead of doing something like a, like a Lovecraft story and making him a detective to make like all of this make more sense. Like he's trying to actually figure out a story here. Like this guy's just like, ah, Feruza bulk's kind of hot and I need to find her. That's about it. I mean, the it's book movie. kind of like the movie, like the book opens with, he gets, you know, his ship crashes and he, he and three guys are stranded at sea and the other two guys kill each other. Although yeah. not nearly as comic a fashion as they do in the movie. <laughs> they don't have a three stooges fight surrounded by sharks. <laughs> it's like a fucking cartoon. <laughs> okay. Brett. Brett, well, first, uh, okay. <laughs> Just brief shout out to the incredible Hulk ass credits that we get. Oh my gosh. I was eating and it, these credits were rude while I was eating because <laughs> I, they're just inside this. Oh, I definitely like I had to be eating because I was like, I am. This is all the time I have. Yeah. But uh, when it was like all of the insides, I was like, this is why I didn't go into medicine. Like my grandmother was like, why don't you go, you know, major in like some sort of some sort of medical field? And I was like, have you met me? I can't handle this. <laughs> so like even just like quick just th- like even like the microbes and the ugh, I mean like no I don't want it I don't want it and there are all these creepy ass staccato hits happening yeah and I was just like I don't like where this is going Chris <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I am sorry like like Here's I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it I yeah <laughs> here's the thing Chris though Brian texted it as a left behind situation in yeah. that you had no choice mm-hmm. like even even in the moments where I was not enjoying the experience of watching the movie, I'm like, I zero blame falls on Chris. It, this is <laughs> in his brain. It yeah. needed to be brought to the podcast. Yep, and so here does. we are. So let's let's I mean, let's just get into it. Brian, you brought up the point like, yeah, this is a really just a weird fight on this like inflatable raft. It's yeah, in the book, it's pretty much fighting. like yeah. in the book, it's like one guy tackles the other guy and they both fall off the boat and just disappear underwater. That's it. So he's not an active participant. I mean, in, the like, most he does, it's like he does try to like reach and like pull one of them like from like as they're starting to fall off. He tries to pull one of them back, but like he's yeah. too late. Wait, are you telling me the book doesn't have a scene one shark attack? Because 
as my note says, holy fuck, scene one shark attack. Oh, and not <laughs> just a shark attack. It also has a Jason Voorhees jumping out of Chris, the lake. I made moment. that. I made that note. It's like that you have the, the fight underwater, then the shark, and then the guy comes back up like Jason fucking Voorhees. Question, Brian, because I, I I need to know since that's how it opens. Is this heavy handed bit of dialogue from the story, or is this the screenwriters where David Thewlis goes, they were fighting. They were more like beasts, not men. I'm like, I mean, the I, book does get I don't know if it does that at the beginning, but I know it it does yeah. have that heavy handedness at the end. The ending was one thing also dumb. I'm going to call it out at the end. Not going to contradict myself. It's also dumb at the end. But here at the beginning, I like I had to stop for a minute so I could my eyes could refocus because I rolled so hard. They got stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like that. This shark was like, mm, look, a snack. Like it was just so happy yeah. that these people fell into the ocean. <laughs> I, I also said like the shark had a nice spread. Like it's a good lunch. Shark is the hero <laughs> of the film. There I yes, said it. Yes, um, yes. But just, you know, not great at geography. So when they said it was the Java Sea, I looked it up where it was. And fun fact, I'm like, the Java Sea is fucking surrounded by land. There's so much land in the Java Sea. How could they have been adrift for like four days or whatever the hell he said? That's crazy. I just want the Java Sea to be made up so that I can imagine that it's just coffee because mm. that sounds delicious. <laughs> it's yes, like Homer yes. imagining the land of chocolate. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, we were talking about coffee. That was 18 minutes ago. Yes. And then David Phyllis gets saved by Val Kilmer. And my God, I, I don't know what this man is doing in this movie. Like, I know he, he's not acting. That's for damn sure. But like out the gate, it's just you can tell that he does not want to be here at all. Well, here, Here's a note that I gave that I came to regret pretty quickly. Yeah, because he starts off by being like, hey, here's some fucking opioids, bud. Have a good time. And I was like, this doctor, I dig it. He seems cool. He mm-hmm. seems like a cool party guy. And he is, but in a very bad way. Yes. He just has the most 90s haircut of all time. And I'm like, we're not in 2010. We're in 1996. <laughs> I I thought it would be very interesting because like, yeah, he, he jokes around by saying, oh, I'm not a doctor. I'm a vet or whatever, you know, kind of like a vet. And then I was like, oh, he's giving him opioids. This guy's about to go on a trip. I was like, the the more esoteric, interesting film is that whatever he gave him caused a break in this man's psyche. And now he's just running around much like you know, chasing yourself outside of your own body. He's running around an empty island thinking there are dog people everywhere. I mean, like, the, the that's end a of more the, interesting movie. The end of the book, like, and like, there's even like a quasi framing device where it's like, there's like an intro written by the guy's son. But like, the idea is like when he, after he gets off the island, when he gets back to, to civilization, like he like try, he first tries to tell the story and then like pretty quickly stops because it's like, well, everyone just thinks I'm crazy. It was just sea madness. I'm yeah. like, well, there's no point in me trying to like continue to make my case. So I'm, I wrote down what I what happened, and that's the very book you're reading now. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> uh, well, that that's every book written in the 1800s is like it's the found footage of literature. We mentioned this earlier at the episode, but like again, I want to reiterate the fact this movie had originally a budget of like eight and a half million dollars, and then was handed thirty five million dollars when Val Kilmer signed on. And Val Kilmer was supposed to play Pendrick or uh, or David uh, Thulis's character because they changed the name or whatever. Yeah, it was Prendick in the book. And yeah. I, that's just the first cowardly move the film makes is not yeah. just letting him be Prendick. Well, he's just Edward to- Douglas. It's very, Douglas. very. I want to hear first a bulk scream with love like Pendrick. <laughs> <laughs> Prendick. 
But then he decided he didn't like the role for obvious reasons, and they couldn't get him out of his contract. So he just said, move me over to this other this other character. And then they they brought in like five other people to try to play this uh, David Thulis' role. Do you know who was originally supposed to be the Val Kilmer, like who was supposed to be in the movie? It was um, um, Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis, Willis, who then left because he was in divorce proceedings with Demi Moore. Mm -hmm. And then when Val Kilmer was in the movie, he found out like while they were filming, like watching TV, found out that his own wife was going to divorce him. Like, yeah, (gasps) guys, I think this movie was cursed. Yeah, it it is. It it is. So like on Shudder, there's a a great series of documentaries that's all about cursed films. Like this is number fucking one. Like it is on every list. But like to put things again into perspective, so like Richard Stanley, who had only done independent horror films on his own up to this point, was handed eight and a half billion dollars and then overnight was handed thirty five million, which is essentially going from the budget from Garden State to the budget of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like it's that big of a jump. It's insane. Like to think this man would be successful and not giving him anything else and everybody's just fighting him. Like, if anything, this just taught Richard Stanley that he shouldn't be the one to make this movie. And that's also the reason why they tried to bring in uh, Jerry Bruckheimer at one point to direct it. He <sighs> said, no, they tried to bring in like so many people that it finally got to the the absolute bottom of the barrel. John Frankenheimer. OK, round robin. Yeah. Who would have the best chance of saving this movie director wise? Oh, my God. Um, Is it Sam Raimi? Yes, it's either it's either Raimi or Jackson, because like, like you, you got to lean yeah, into it. Yeah. I got I got Raimi on the brain uh, because of like check. But yeah, I think, yeah, him or Jackson feel, feels mm-hmm. like the right energy. Oh, Guillermo. Guillermo could have a really good Ooh, fucking time yes. with this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Was he a thing at that time? I can't remember. Uh, when he, he was real early. It was like uh, uh, Devil's Backbone was mid 90s. And that's really what he broke okay. into American cinema. Yeah. So this poor English man trips balls and then has to make a terrible decision. And the terrible decisions are either party with us with these pirates or go into an unknown island. Second location with Val Kilmer. Well, I don't think I don't (laughs) think Val Kilmer is being entirely sincere when he says they're real party animals. It feels much more like a threat because he says he says the Captain Panari is taking quite a shine to you, if you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's throw that in here. Why don't I'm like, cool. Like, I'm like, movie, you're about to have a lot of many weird shit. Like, yeah. Why do you even have to do this garbage? Like, yeah, the weird for I mean, and the thing is, in the book, the captain is like this is like super drunk and just like he he hates Montgomery. Like he hates the Val Kilmer character because like we keep we keep having to go and get pick up these animals and then bring him to this island and he's and the captain like is drunk and he's like I'm dropping you off this island this is last time like good fucking riddance and you guy we saved in the middle of the ocean you either go with him or we throw you overboard and Montgomery's just kind of like all right fine I I'll we'll take you like we'd rather take you on the island to have you thrown overboard like Montgomery the whole the whole book is kind of his attitude towards uh, uh, Prendick is basically, ah, I feel bad because I saved your life. So now I'm, I'm just saddled with you. This feels, this movie feels like he knows like almost right away what Dr. Moreau's intentions will be mm-hmm. with this guy. Right. Like, yeah, he's like, Oh, I got to like sneak you on, but also like, I'm kind of creepy and weird. And like, I just kind of want to see what happens. You have to, right? you have to, you have to escalate it because you know when we spoiler alert, find out that like he they need him for that they're using him for this 
experiment or whatever oh, like boy. you need the de- you need to add in like the base shot down is plain like that you yes. need to make yes. that like the final yeah. reveal that mm-hmm. like would you kindly come to the java sea <laughs> <laughs> um, they were yeah, hunting yeah. for humans yeah because we needed interesting it. brian that that's how you just he's describing the short story because uh i will say that uh val Kilmer's character in this movie has as my uh quote my next note um <clears throat> Real weird energy, <laughs> which we're going to go ahead and yeah. file as understatement of the millennia. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have a question for everybody. Has there ever been a rabbit in a movie that's going to not die or not Roger. be horrific or not be yeah, sad? Roger, Roger, Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Roger Rabbit's the only one. Uh, like he has I, a loving of marriage and he's funny and he has a best friend now and Eddie Valiant. Yeah. And like, I love that the Val Kilmer's is like, oh, I'll break this rule for you because obviously you're not a vegetarian. You're going to want meat. And I'm like, that's a loose excuse to do what you just did. Here's, yeah, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. uh, I know whatever, whatever ethical and moral things it says about me. I am a fan of eating meat. I'm a carnivore. I yeah. Chicken, beef, all of it. I feel like if they're like, hey, you're on this island for uh, at that point, I would assume several days like we're vegetarians. I go, OK, yeah, I'll eat a vegetable or two. That's fine. Yeah, I'm not a cat. I don't require taurine to live. I just like the taste of meat. That's right. <laughs> Only knowing the basic premise of the story, like going in, I would assume that there's a uh, rule not to eat uh, animals on the islands because, oh, they might be sentient. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that would be my thought. Like, don't eat meat because you don't know. Like maybe the experiments or something in the water got to these rabbits and these rabbits have gained sentience and it's wrong to eat sentient beings. Or or is it like a, you know, kind of like a quasi religious thing, like how certain religions don't eat pork? Oh, like, is, is there yeah. a quasi religion to this, Chris? Is there, oh, yeah, very any, much any, so. Is there any Ron Perlman led oh. <laughs> quasi religion? So we should talk about that, too. Like, so Richard Stanley, when he originally wrote it, like his whole premise was he wanted to do the 12 stations of the catechism of the cross as this movie and i'm like that's yeah it's a jerk off motion but it's better than what we fucking got like yeah because i don't know what the hell we got i watched the whole thing and i still don't know i love me some knockoff enya I love the the Indianness of the soundtrack here, like when he's well, creeping. Ex- except the dancing woman's clearly a trap, dummy. <laughs> it's true. I just love this these like Beauty and the Beast rules. Like mm-hmm. as soon as he's in there, he's like, "Just stay here. You can't go into the West Wing. Like it's yeah. for your own good." And it's like, "There's a Nobel Prize in this room. Like of course he's going to be curious. <laughs> like no, what? Also, what? So I, yeah, I, we we can't skip over that. D- Doctor Moreau has a Nobel Prize. He has a Nobel Prize and a secret animal genetic experimentation island. Question, was it meant to be a joke what his Nobel Prize was for? If not, we need to tell the audience. I don't remember what it was for. Oh, wasn't it for, oh yeah, for inventing Velcro. For inventing Velcro. Straight line from inventing Velcro to animal man hybrids to remove evil. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Brent. I'm like, I feel like that could just as easily be him making a joke. Yeah. But it's also like, it doesn't lean enough for us to know it's a joke. And we don't get any sort of counter explanation of what he got his prize for. I'm going to go to our, our probably most controversial segment of the show, which is Brandon's advice for how to be a creep. <laughs> okay, so you're a creep and you see a, a woman dancing to a weird knockoff Enya song and you want to creep on her and you're in your like in a room next to her dancing behind blinds. You should creep on her from behind those blinds so she doesn't see you. You should not 
walk forward and then crouch down on the ground like four feet from her until she opens her eyes and sees you and screams. It's unnerving the idea of turning around and seeing a grown ass British man doing the catcher pose, just staring at you like but you, did you know what's more creepy is then that man turning around and seeing fucking Val Kimmer with the flower in his mouth. <laughs> Once you know her kind of. Well, obviously, they give it away right away because Val Kimmer's like, she's a pussy cat. Like, oh, shit, this is a cat lady. This is a yeah, cat th- person. Every other line from Val Kilmer, like, is every screening of the movie came with the with some executive in the seat next to you, elbowing the ribs, being like, eh, mm-hmm. eh. She does look like a cat. She's she always does. looked like a cat. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time I see her, I'm like, that's a cat. Like, so I think it was perfect casting. Uh-huh. Um, She's one of those girls, right? It's like, oh. There's that cat girl again mm-hmm. in this movie. This really brings that our running bit like to its apotheosis because she is quite literally not like other girls. Mm-hmm. True. She's also True. not like other mutants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the moment too here when Val Kilmer's kind of explaining like why they're on the island and you know everything. And and he starts like hinting at the fact that PETA was not cool with like the little experiments and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, they're not cool with you turning animals into people, which, by the way, you would think they might actually be on board for that, like humanizing animals to the point of like, we shouldn't eat them anymore. Like, again, this is like from the book, like the reason that Dr. Moreau went to the island is because he was like starting to do these experiments and everyone's like, what? Get the fuck out of here, you freak. Okay, so yeah, Kilmer's acting in this, like all this weird energy. There's this, when he's telling like, He's giving some exposition, right? Like that he came to the island, you know, 10 years ago and he's been working with Moreau. And then he just like stares off into the distance and then he just walks back. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm I'm telling you, it's all just being a vindictive dick on this set. Like he is just not given two fucks to rub together <laughs> wow. until there's there's one thing you could tell he really enjoyed doing <laughs> yep Ooh, making out with the hog ladies <laughs> okay two things he really enjoyed <laughs> montgomery's like hey here's your room locks the door i'm like this is your fault because like if he hadn't locked the door like i don't think thulis would have like gone wandering that he wouldn't night. have he wanted like, just to go to bed this is just like if you give somebody a big red button to push and say don't push this button right they're gonna push the button so like yeah, so of you course sound like to- that mouse that i gave a cookie to earlier it's uh-huh. not yep. my fault <laughs> <laughs> i wonder how long it took him to do, like realize that he just left the key in the door and i can maybe knock it out of the door like yeah, that that's the part that's on kilmer <laughs> But here's the thing that baffled me. This, the, and honestly, this this one feels a little cinema sensey on me. So boo, Brandon, boo, everyone, anti-Brandon fan club. But so his whole thing is like, oh, I'm stuck on this island. I want to get to the radio and radio to get help and get me out this island. And so yeah. he breaks out in the middle of the night and he's sneaking around. And instead of going to the giant radio tower, that's just like the one landmark they made sure to point out to us as he drove into camp. Mm-hmm. So we all know where it's at. He then just sneaks into a random barn, which happens to be this laboratory. He does the fatal thing that all white people do. When they hear the noise, they go towards the noise. Like, even though they know my my objective is clearly on the other side of this other place, away from the problem, but I'm going to go towards the problem that I just got introduced to. Yeah, and, and then part of this, I think, is just a this this sequence of events is is just a matter of efficiency more than anything. Yeah. Just to get us into this concept, ASAP, because yeah. they're going to have to spend the next 10 minutes explaining what the fuck is going on. Oh, but OK, but before we get to what's 
in the in the laboratory. Yeah. Because once this happens, anything else will be driven from our brains. <laughs> so before the big thing, I just want to say there's some very chill animals in these cages. There really are. The llamas like are the like best. he's walking through like a llama looks him like none of that. None of the animals seem to react. They're like, this might as well happen. Sure. David Euless shows up. Well, even like the panther is cool until he tries to get out of the laboratory. The pan- And then he's like, wow, I'm claw at you now. He's yeah, like, for the yeah, most you- part, they're just like chilling around like it's fine. This guy's yeah. looping. We all like Harry Potter. It's fine. <laughs> he's one of us. He's a werewolf. Um, Ashley, did this birthing scene traumatize you more than Cronenberg's The Fly? I didn't care for it. Let's say that. <laughs> I did not care for this moment. I didn't want to see it. I My eyes burned. I wrote in all caps, what the actual fuck <laughs> uh, did not did not enjoy it. I don't know if it's better or worse than the fly. Uh, maybe not as traumatic, but yeah. <laughs> but definitely disturbing. You ask what the fuck, but I think I think the parents guy can tell you what the fuck. Oh, goody. Oh, no. Under sex and nudity. A manimal is shown being born, pulled from manimal. its manimal mother. <laughs> They called it a manimal. You got to pay George R. R. Martin residuals now. Damn it, that's good. I don't know what this animal is that's giving birth right now because, like, I've never seen an animal that looks like this that has like six boobs on it or whatever. They were like little craters. It was like yeah. like a moon body. It was weird. Like, it, it was. It, it felt strange. alien and like more yeah. foreign than just like we spliced a human with something else. You know? Yeah. It, it did not give off human so much as just. Like monster. Yeah. And then that brought in the question for me there too, because it's like, we know that like half of this island has to be the failures and he just can't let them go because it's his creation or whatever. Like, but he's already proven that he can get this to work kind of, or at least like in a way that's like sensible and makes like you could look at this animal and say, oh, you were this, but you're now also a person. I don't know what the fuck this baby thing is. I have no uh, clue. This baby is the result of like natural processes. Like he didn't genetically engineer this baby. He oh made my God. It's the two animals fucked. Uh, that's why yeah. Jurassic Park makes more sense. You make them ladies yeah. so they can't fuck. I appreciate Ashley's response. As you all might imagine, uh, my response here, I'll read my note. Here's the gross, weird nonsense I was promised. <laughs> like it, It's weird. Like the, the beginning half of the film, other than like trying to get a feel for Val Kilmer's weird energy, I'm like, there's nothing like overtly bad about this or like no. slocky. It's just kind of like, like, okay, I get it. You're trying to be very dramatic mystery. Like the Island of Dr. Moreau is enough of a well-known story in the zeitgeist. They're like, okay, I know the gist of what we're going to do here. I get yeah. animal man hybrid things. And then you turn a corner and it smacks you in the face with a frying pan. Holy what the shit. F- I, seriously, I knew, I knew this movie reputation. So I knew it got insane and, and bonkers. So I was like, I was, it was almost a relief. Got to the scene. I was like, okay, finally. Like, I yeah. was afraid we we're going to stick in this, like, weird, quiet, contemplative yeah, tone before the 30 minute mark. Like, it, it gets to where it's going very quickly. Not fast enough, says Brandon. Yes. I, it, I, my basically spoiler for my final opinion. I wanted it sooner and I wanted it more and louder and crazier. I needed more of everything. Yeah. I love this. This whole, like, running away from everybody on the island to, you know, coming at this point, you know, it's it's. He's trying to make an escape, and Farouz is like, I'll save you. We'll find some common ground here. You'll meet the dad. It'll be fine. You'll be okay. You just live here now. That's just going to be your life now. And then they run into, in the woods, I wrote a naked cheetah person. And I wrote naked because, for the most part, 
these animal people all wear clothes except for this fucking cheetah. It's I called just, him baby Sasquatch. Yeah, the thing, buddy, when, when your uh, pubic hair is that dense, you can't see anything. So it's fine. It's true. <laughs> it's, just, it's just body covered in pubic hair. It's so funny. I was I like grabbed my pen and picked up a little notepad and was going to write a note praising like, OK, the makeup effect on this guy actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but then the CGI happened of him like hopping away. And I was like, I didn't even get a chance to make a good note about the effects in this movie. That garbage slapped me in the face. But also, like, they they hired amazing, like, movement coaches for this movie. And honestly, the monster creatures, they do move like the animals. They sound like that. Like, it's I mean, this is a Stan Winston joint. Like, they like we didn't need a a CGI running away. Just show just show the cheetah dude running. Just make him run. Just just show it like quickly, like quickly go into the like, I understand that it couldn't move at the speed you wanted to move because it's not, you know, it's just an actor and a bunch of makeup yeah so just don't show the run have it like quickly jump into like the bush so we can't see it and then we just it's extrapolate from there yeah our brain can just decide it ran away what do you think assassin's job is on the island picking better names for people he's like you and my son shall be named assassin he's like cool i'm gonna name everyone after me because that's yeah. You're real bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> I just love like this fully formed monkey man comes out wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and has a baseball bat and is like, oh, this is my job. I get to hit somebody finally because you came into a place where you weren't supposed to. But also when we find out you're not supposed to hurt anybody, I'm like, why do you have a baseball bat, assassin? Like- I'll tell you why. According to the <laughs> trivia. Apparently, that's a left that that might be a leftover from an apparent early draft of like the original script that like featured the animals had, had like animals had a baseball team. Apparently. Fuck yeah! <gasps> See, that's what this movie needs. That is what stumbled across animal. The little monsters knew what it was doing. Like also, yeah. that makes that makes the end makes so much more sense when Assassin's like, "I'll miss you most of all, David Thulis. Like you're the best friend I never had." Hit a homer, <laughs> for, hit a homer for me, Assassin. <laughs> he's like, he's like, tell me, is that Mickey Mantle really all they said he was? <laughs> yes. I love Feruza in this movie. She is so like, she is acting so fucking hard to try to make this movie work. Oh, she gets a Academy Award for most acting. Yeah. I mean, you showed us that clip from the documentary where she's like talking to Marla Brando, where she's trying to like do like acting with Marla Brando, and he's like, this movie sucks. Why do you give a shit? You shouldn't give a shit about this. And I was like, send that clip to every method actor in Hollywood. Like, yes. just like- she's trying to hide, so she takes him to this like basic village where all these animal hybrids live. And this one, there's like, oh boy, there's a you could really see the difference in the hero animal makeup and the like extra uh-huh. background animal makeup because the hero animal makeup all looks good. Like all yeah. the animal creatures that are featured main characters, like interesting, interesting designs. Like even it's grotesque at times. It's like thought out. And then some people in the background have like a weird wig and some like brown mud on their face. Yeah, and then like making Ron Perlman, you know, someone at this point who was famous for being like a makeup and like prosthetic character actor like this like giving him this role i assume that they just used their leftover makeup from beauty and the beast probably ron probably here just (laughs) like they were doing a they were doing an island special they're like filming a a, like vacation episode you know like when they brady bunch would go to disney or whatever they were doing that with beauty and the beast and they're like hey you want to hop over to our set we'll throw this robe on you yeah and he uses a word that the way he says it and just hearing Ron Perlman's voice say the word snuffles 
I'm never not going to laugh at Snuffles coming out of Ron Perlman's face. <laughs> he's going through this list of all these terrible sins, right? Yeah. He's going through a list of sins and all the sins they're designed. Basically, they're like, you're not animals anymore. You're men. So you need to do mm-hmm. these things. And so yeah. it's like you walk on two legs. You don't drink from the stream. You don't eat meat. Like it, this is listing all things. We don't kill each other. All these things. You want to be civilized man. And then it's like you don't have sex with more than one partner. Yep. And I'm like, to be fair, that's another book thing. Like the book also, one of the laws is monogamy. Really? But however, the book does not have him say like, you know, one partner. It's like, you shall not be with every any animal in any way you wish. Like there's an yeah. added like. Oh, that's yeah. I wrote down every which way. Every which way. There's that added like, you can't, you're not allowed to do the naughty stuff. Let's get into it. Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando, 30 minutes on the dot, like a fucking pope. If I made the note, here comes the crazy. <laughs> was so fucking pumped. A uh, quick question that I don't yeah. care for the answer. Where's the reverb from? Don't give a shit. It's fine. Doesn't matter. He has, he's, they just like, hey, fucking let's just do Jorel again. Who gives yeah. a shit? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then like the fact that, okay, so when he came into production, the, the movie was shot in Australia. It was shot in Australia's summertime. So it was hot as fucking balls here, right? Marlon Brando comes in, realizes how fucking hot this movie is going to be to have to actually make and demands that Moreau would wear these big flowing moo-moos, would be covered in white face paint whenever he was outside. He demanded he would have to have this like allergic reaction to the sun or whatever. And the reason why is because all every single not close-up shot in this movie is his stand-in. He did that because if you can cover your face, the stand-in can do everything else. <laughs> like Damn, I'm sorry, the man is fucking brilliant. He's allergic to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> idiot here's my most shocking take on i think the whole thing though a little drunk and low energy but overall Marlon brando's kind of pretty good in this he's not I, bad i think so it's also amazing how unlike marlon brando he sounds yeah yeah in this movie yeah yeah he it's doesn't a, sound godfather a good at all. accent it's yeah it's, yeah it's it's like i think it's just a testament that like even when like he's very talented and even though he's monumentally phoning this into the point of telling other actors to stop wasting energy acting, yeah. I'm like, it's just natural. It's one of those things like, don't get wrong. Like there, there's work and craft and things you can do to become a better actor. But like mm-hmm. there, there's something, there's a compliment that I got once. It's like, I just terribly, but there's something like when you're on stage, I just want to look at you. And I'm like, I'm like, cool, I guess. Like it yeah. sucks that I don't audition well and I didn't get a lot of parts from this, but I'm like, there's, there's just like an eighth. I think Martin Brand is just like, has enough charisma that like even in his autopilot mode it ends up being pretty good especially yeah. in a movie like this where mm-hmm. there's a lot of insanity and i'm like oh yeah that guy's just like a big uh, a heavy in this fucking acting world yeah. yeah do you guys know the uda hagen story he was in a class with uda hagen and basically like she gave them an exercise and she said okay so you are chickens and so like they're all like walking around doing their chicken thing right they're all just like trying to embody chickens right And so then as the scene progressed, she says, okay, now there is a nuclear explosion, right? A bomb is about to be dropped on the coop. And so now you're chickens and there's a nuclear explosion about to happen. And all of the other actors were like, oh my God, right? And they just like started panicking and like freaking out. And Marlon Brando just kept being a chicken because that's how a chicken would be. 
yep. chicken doesn't know right. fucking yeah. mom is. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's like the legendary story of like Marlon, like Marlon Brando just like showing like that he was just that much better than everybody else, even as a student. I love that in the stories of um his illicit affairs with Elaine Stritch over the generations. Like it's really, really fun because they hated each other, but they fucked like rabbits. Like uh, oh, that's that, I mean, the, that's the dream. The energy. I mean, just imagine now, Marlon Brando and Elaine Stritch. Like any conversation between Marlon Brando and Elaine Stritch is just going to be. It's going to be like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf level, just like barbs back and forth. But at the same time, you can picture it and you can tell that 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 like hate fuck energy is there constantly. The electricity. By the way, so during this scene, like we, we get introduced to the little the little remote that shocks all the animals or whatever. And when you watch it, if you if you do watch it again, if you hadn't before the show or whatever, um, there's one person that like everybody drops like you're supposed to, like at the end of the song shout or whatever, and like do the alligator thing and flop around like you're having a seizure or whatever. There's one lady who's just in the corner, like who obviously didn't want to go to the ground because she just starts twerking. And it's <laughs> one of the funniest fucking things. That was one of Moreau's fuck ups. And he put the pain implant yeah. in her ass. <laughs> just, just jiggle. Have I been missing a part of the shout dance? <laughs> yeah. From Animal House <laughs> where, where everybody yells alligator and you fall to the ground. And you go. Argh. Oh, it's been while yeah. I watch Animal House. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've danced that plenty of times at wedding. I didn't remember doing an alligator. I've never speech. done an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good uh, scripture battle. Give me a quote battle battle any day. Uh, If only I'd gone to some type of educational institution that would prepare me for such religious battles. Uh, You know what? Conservative Christian University failed me there because I cannot debate the balls balls on Dr. Moreau here to be like, judge not Mr. Douglas, let that ye be not judged. It's like, motherfucker, what have you been doing? I could not possibly be doing what you're doing. Like, I been a perfectly good place to judge you right now just so everyone is aware anything brando ish at this point forward is all rewrites that he did himself it's also worth noting that uh stardy well i guess he technically appeared in the first scene with him but you really start to he really starts to come into his own at this point nelson de la rosa if if i may i because i knew it was kind of like riffing on this but i assumed that Dr. Evil and Mini-Me was like a comical exaggeration of this film. And then the second scene of Dr. Moreau is him playing piano with his Mini-Me playing mm. a mini piano <laughs> on top of his piano. Mm. And like, oh, that's the moment it. my brain broke. I, I like I it. It was so so, like seeing that the parody was just the thing again, because you can't parody it. It was this weird hollow feeling of it's like we've all had in the past couple of years where we're like, oh, can we not do satire anymore? Has yeah. reality broken satire? At that moment where I was like, oh, maybe I can't ridicule this movie. Maybe it's already too far ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's in it's in this scene, like you know, he's explaining his all his stuff to David Thulas. Yeah. And like in the original book, there's definitely a very uncomfortable, like not out and out like racist stuff, but there's like that like it's it's never it's never like anything explicit, but there's always a thing where you're like you're kind of like you look and you're like, is that mm, I can't tell. And then the movie's like, yeah, no, Dr. Moreau's just straight up a eugenicist. Yeah, like he straight up just wants to perfect the human race. Why did I write the whole island is destruction in the basement? 
buddy, how high were you when you watched the movie? <laughs> I After three times, I, what's your brain weird. It's the same. It's the equivalent. It's like if you're up for 24 hours, it's the yeah. equivalent of being legally drunk. Like yeah. Yeah. watching Dr. Murrow three times, the equivalent of just hitting the fat fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quick like it's almost I mean, aside from the CGI rat monkeys of it all, like David oh. Lewis, like, <laughs> like he tries to climb so into the much. escape boat, falls down. And there's like a, a quick, like little gremlins thing where it's like, he's like, Oh, huh? something, something, which something. Yeah. the movie needed a thousand times more of so yes. much uh, more. Cause here's the thing, as I told you this, uh, I put, uh, well, I think it was before we talking after last week where it was oops, all little scamps. Like this has a distinct lack of little scamps in this movie, yeah. except for Val Kimmer, who is a little scamp to everyone working on the film. <laughs> <laughs> and we had these little rat men. I was like, yes. Well, cause also at this point he explained that he's trying to take the evil out of mankind. And I was like, oh, he took it out of mankind and put in these little rat monsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's the twist. That is how you make this movie. Please to report. The rats are little stinkers. But also, like, this, th- these boats that keep going to and from the island, like, this boat is just riddled with rats, with w- little rat creatures. Like, these rat creatures got off this island on another boat at some other point. Like, they are causing wreak havoc everywhere. Oh, yeah, somewhere. that's the Jurassic World sequel of this. That, yeah. That's yeah. the world of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Dr. Moreau Dominion. <laughs> you can cut this, but Fallen Kilmer, is that do we want to... <laughs> <laughs> it took me to remember what the hell the name of the other Jurassic World movie was. Because <laughs> unlike killer. unlike Nicole Kidman, I am not in awe of Jurassic World. <laughs> okay, if if we hit our Patreon goal of a hundred dollars a month, we will edit the Nicole Kidman ad to have the to put in them arriving at the island of Doctor Moreau, <laughs> and we'll also add all of us in it. So she's yeah. sitting there, and we're all in the seats next to her eating popcorn. <gasps> You're right. Heartbreak does feel good in a place like this. You know it, Nicole. And then we're all Judy Dench with her at the end and stare straight at the camera. <laughs> She's coming for your soul. So yeah, now it's the it's a trial, and it's all about you know, Lome, you broke the law. Yeah, and like he tries to give him this moment of like, I'm gonna be a merciful and just God and not kill you despite the laws to show that like. We can grow. We can be whatever, a better society. But this is Dr. Moreau's fatal flaw. He hired Boba Fett as part of his protection (laughs) team. And Boba Fett shoots this guy in the head and says, I thought you wanted me to protect the law. And you're like, oh, don't hire a bounty hunter that lives to kill if you're not going to let somebody be killed. I'm just saying. I have to assume that he showed a soft side in the series I didn't watch yet about him. <laughs> <laughs> of the Baby Yoda? Uh, no, the, the Boba Fett. The, the Boba book Fett, of yep. Boba Fett. I've yet to watch oh, it. I haven't, I haven't watched it either. He probably has some type of heart of gold or something in that. Uh, uh, the book of, Well, the book of Boba Fett is that Boba Fett actually dies halfway through, and then um, Jango Fett has to like use the book to figure out how to assassinate Dean Norris. <laughs> 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 I was just distracted because uh, Fred Savage kept interrupting the book of Boba Fett to tell me not to read about the kissing. <laughs> <laughs> that scene's coming up. It's coming uh, up. It's and coming. Boy, that scene would be made so much better if it just cut to Fred Savage. <laughs> like yeah. Fred Savage in 1996 being like, oh, shit. what the that's, fuck, that's Grandpa? That's the fucking TikTok. That's, that's the, the TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yep, yep. That's the TikTok right there. <laughs> so they kill Lomay. I, I want to say low main i'm like he's not noodles but the- <laughs> we all have low main on the brain. i mean once he's cgi he sure moves like noodles 
But this is my note is, uh oh, Bestie's going to get a revenge plot because mm-hmm. his bestie hyena goes, you know, like after he's he's been burned. Meanwhile, David Thulis runs to the is going to the radio tower, which he finally remembers is there just now <laughs> after <laughs> multiple nights sneaking around. And he gets there and it doesn't work. And this is so goddamn funny is David Thulis just going and then like hitting the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> They burn the body of Lomai and and Hyena takes the skull out of the, the, the ashes or whatever. And does his alas poor Yorick moment. And then, yeah, as he's digging through the bones and like being sad about his possible lover or best friend or whatever, he sees this microchip on one of the ribs and has the greatest like deduction of all time because i mean speaking of jurassic world at least knows i mean at least in this at least in this it makes sense like he sees a pain implant and is like wait a minute i probably have one of those too whereas in jurassic world the the indominus rex is just like i'm just gonna go scratch my neck for a minute up got it out but ryan what you're forgetting is the indominus wreck was genetically engineered to be a little stinker Can I tell you? So they have you have the Indoraptor in the second one, which is like a smaller little stinker. Yeah. But I am cautiously optimistic by the fact that Colin Trevorrow has said that like the whatever the Indo thing in this movie is is like the Joker. Oh, like, please let it be even smaller. Please let it yeah, be like I, a I, tiny- like that is the thing more than anything. I cannot wait for the movie. I'm avoiding like all the trailers and commercials because yeah. I want to go into it as completely blind as possible. The because littlest scale. I just want I want the I want when the thing happens to be in the theater going holy shit. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Val Kilmer makes out with hog women. <laughs> like, there's no other way of saying it. He's oh. like he's like mama birding their drugs. He's mama birding way. them meth. <laughs> and I just wrote, does he have to kiss? Them? <laughs> no, but that was a Val Kimmer choice on the day. Uh, the, the spirit of Richard Dawkins entered his body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good to meet you again, Mrs. Hogg. Mwah. Okay. What are you and your husband here for today? <laughs> Here's the thing. This, this is my succession of three notes of things I didn't need. <laughs> so first I wrote down, I didn't need the chip tearing out. Like I was like, that was just visceral to me. Yeah. I didn't need that. And I was like, I didn't need Val Kilmer kissing all these pig women. And I was like, I definitely didn't need naked tiny Moreau. His tail, his tail. I'm fine with him being like tiny and naked or whatever, but the tail is so uncomfortably gross. It's upsetting. upsetting. Like, I don't know what animal he was supposed to have been. Like the only thing that came out of my mind is, um, you know what? Like when you watch like old footage where they do animation of like, the shit coming out of the sea and then evolving into people or whatever. He's like the second evolution step. That's the only thing I could assume he's supposed to be. It was during the scene that it really hit me. I finally figured out like what the weird Val Kilmer energy is. And like I wrote down Val Kilmer is when you want Brad Pitt and mom says we have perfectly good Brad Pitt at home. <laughs> Again, it's just vindictiveness, man. I'm telling you, it's just, he doesn't care. I'm glad you figured it out. Cause this is the scene where I wrote uh, yet again, the fuck is Val Kilmer's deal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This also, this where f- he has like the computer thing on his head. Uh, yeah. Before- and he throws a dog toy to get Maling to leave the radio tower. And then he technically gives him medical marijuana because he's a doctor. So it's technically. Well, we're, we're jumping over a very important uh, plot point that happens here is during the during the kissing scene uh, where everybody's hugging. Uh, <laughs> they see that um, that uh, hyena swine isn't. Like isn't part of isn't hanging around. He's just looking around, like lurking in the shadows, like and Val Kimmer's like, Oh, well, that's bad news. 
like that. I should probably like the, he's not reacting like the way that literally everyone else is reacting. So I'm he's going not to kissing me. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to go ahead and just like, knock him out and make sure that we 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 solve this problem quickly and yeah. david thulis for no fucking reason runs and is like no don't he's yeah. in mourning i think we have to issue a, a famous uh trash watch retraction because i think there was an error i believe brian uh said that there was something important in this film <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the the main thing that we've been waiting to talk about since the movie started <laughs> oh boy oh uh, yeah <laughs> Here we go. Now, I, I I will say, I want to be the one to share the trivia. Uh, yeah, Chris, I need to ask a very important question. And normally I discourage you, but have you made any exciting SE purchases? <laughs> I have not. I didn't even look uh, to see if there's a floor converter yet. However, if you find one or want to make one with me, I will wear it happily. I kind of want to make one for summer. If summer. I found out you had purchased that the, uh, this hat, Chris, we would all like we would have all abandoned our microphones, leave you yeah. alone on the Zoom call, and then we'd show up at your house to, just to hoist <laughs> you on our shoulders. Yep. You could hoist him. I would be I would be behind him pouring more ice into it. Yep. Yes, because yeah, Brian's a good friend. Yes. Uh, okay. So a couple of things about this. So Brando looked at the the props guy and said, "I think I should be wearing something." That will make me cooler in this, like not cooler to look at, but like help me kind of cool down in this scene. Let's let's find like a fan or something. You know, that's what you would assume like would be the next logical step. And he said, no, 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 no. Um, I want something that she could put ice into it and it will cool the top of my head. All the heat comes out of the top of your head or whatever. And then they said, sure, give us like an hour or whatever. They sent them back to set and they went and got an actual ice bucket from the hotel they were staying in, cut the bottom off of it and just put a, like some like fabric around it and said, here you go. Whatever this is that you wanted. There it is. Um, now, all this to be said, Marlon Brando says the reason why he wanted this was not also to help him cool down because in his vision of the scenes and his vision of Moreau's world. Underneath the bucket. Are you ready? I don't. You're not fucking ready for this. Underneath the bucket, we were supposed to find out at the end, like when he's killed and everything, and the bucket comes off of his head. There was supposed to be in the middle of his, the top of his head, a dolphin blowhole. We were supposed to believe Moreau was a dolphin the entire time. Like that was what is. Brando's brain said, this is what this needs to be. Moreau is so smart. He's so intelligent. He's he's dolphin intelligent. Like, like, it's like, are you wait? What? Like, we could have had we could have had Marlon Brando being a dolphin. Chris, like this, this, this movie is oops, all TikToks. Um, The end is in uh, Apocalypse Now is Marlon Brando just dying. (laughs) He goes, the horror, the horror. And then just edit in a dolphin. And <laughs> I can do that. I can make that happen. Yeah, it's just like on top of everything else that's happening in this scene, like to know that in Brando's brain right now while he's talking, he's thinking, I have a blowhole at the top of my head because I'm a dolphin. That's acting. None of us, none of us are actually good actors. Like, sorry. <laughs> like we're we're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. But then but speaking of weird noises to make, when he starts getting a shoulder rub from his daughter. He makes noises that you do not want to hear from a man getting a shoulder rub from his daughter. 
I mean, Brian, you're 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 a pretty solid actor. I mean, what's what what what? Can you give me a little bit? You don't want that on tape, Brian. You don't want that on tape. No, no, because I'd ha- I'd have to kill you all afterwards. <laughs> the the only sound that I paid attention to was his Santa Claus laugh, because he has this jovial, like belly bouncing Santa Claus laugh when she says, you know, the classic "I want to be like you." Hoo hoo. <laughs> I want to be like (laughs) and she's like dad I'm the king of the swingers the jungle VIP (laughs) but you know who else wants to be like him is hyena swine and his gang I don't know if you guys picked on the very subtle symbolism but I think uh, piano music is civilization Oh, it's very subtle when these animals walk in and they like bump into the piano and it makes like it obviously, you know, just makes random noise because they hit keys and they're like, ah, what's that? Like, ah, it, it doesn't make sense because they're civilized enough that they have communication. They have like a sense of a sort of culture like music would be something that you would think they would have been introduced to. Like, Chris, I don't think they would have freaked out over a piano like this, Chris. Have you ever seen non-musicians walk into a room with an unguarded piano? Oh, yeah, you're right. Like yeah. with this, a piano that does not have a do not play sign on it, because they will go over and do exactly what these animals do, which is just kind of mash their hands on it. Uh, although I, th- I say my fellow fart asses, I think with some uh, history on the podcast, I think we need to see the floor to Ashley at this time. Oh, yes, yes. To talk about this sequence. So here's why they all ran away it's because the first person that touched the keyboard started playing some atonal modernist bullshit and they were like ah this is horrible we hate it ah, i'm the modernist bullshit klaxon well yeah they did sound the modernist bullshit klaxon and it summons marlon brando with a with milk and cookies because he's santa this is the one scene where i felt like okay i feel like he's out of pretty out of it here um, I like that. Otherwise, I think he actually turns in a pretty good performance, given all the things I know about his performance. Yeah. But this one scene, I was like, OK, I think he was at the end of his rope. This is probably the last thing they filmed. He's like, I'm on a plane in 20 minutes. This is what you get. I like this Schoenberg monologue. Well, okay, I think it's well you can like the monologue, but you're not allowed to like Schoenberg. <laughs> you are not allowed to like Schoenberg. <laughs> but yeah, like I do like this moment where he's like, but here, let me play you some Gershwin. And everybody yeah. likes Gershwin. Oh, Animals oh. love Gershwin. You know what? Because there's a tone. Because there's a tone <laughs> and a melody. Yeah, actually, he, I want to play some. Uh, you, you said there's the tone. I'm going to play a tone. music. Yeah. <laughs> All tones, I guess. And we haven't really said this yet but like uh, obviously stan winston and, and company did all the the animal makeup for this movie and they fucking knocked it out of the fucking park like yeah these things are gross looking but they were supposed to be gross looking and man they are gross looking but there is a moment here where i just wish they would have changed angles for at least a second because he is surrounded by this pack of animals that is ready to fucking like take on god they're essentially looking at god and saying i'm ready to kill you today if this is what like needs to happen or whatever and it's really intense looking but the angle that they choose to shoot this it just looks like 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 a student film project i'm like give me a better angle give me that intensity like i want it (laughs) oh chris you said this is really intense moment i wrote down it's profoundly cheap and silly death 
but like they okay, want this to yes. be the big turning point and i'm like yeah. i'm like oh but like it is a step above the book because in the book dr moreau literally dies off screen yeah. like it's he chases hyena swine into the forest and then like the next day they're like we should probably go look for him and then they eventually find him dead Although the silliness goes to 11 because he tears off his fucking arm. So we just see him like holding up a severed <laughs> arm. And I was like, okay, maybe it's silly enough. And then David Thulis just kind of shambles back into the plot. <laughs> like, I forgot he was in the movie. I can't think of any other way to describe his like demeanor when he waddles into this scene. Because he's just kind of like sauntering in like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, right. There's a movie. Is this where they start introducing the transcendentalism of like they consumed God? Now they are God. I don't know because also my well because yeah because they they David Thewlis escapes with the with uh, the cat lady yeah. and they get back they get to the the village and I wrote down like she mourns her father and David Thewlis makes his move and then my next note in all caps is fuck the cat lady already Wait, hold on because I also said. <laughs> When they burn Brando's body in this movie, <laughs> it's such a stupid idea. These animals are going to smell the barbecue that is Brando and be like, well, we're going to fucking eat now. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, Montgomery is alone in the in the base and he's just kind of sitting there. And we just kind of that's just a quick shot to just let us know that he's there. And you're like, OK, all right, Val Kilmer. I, I'm, I'm curious what you're going to be working on in the intervening intervening time between now and when we come back to the base. We get this shot of him like sleeping in the chair. The Montgomery's no. like sleeping during all of this madness. It's like the island is clearly about to devolve into chaos and he has the wherewithal to just be able to sleep. And I he was like, gifts, no fucks, no fucks. It is interesting, too, because like when they're burning brando's body ron perlman comes back too in case you forgot he's in this movie as well and like hit his goat man is smart enough to realize or not smart enough but like he's like uh, like ashley you said it's all gonna go into chaos at this point we have to just pretend like god didn't die right now god's not dead it's fine we're just gonna just tell everybody god's not dead everything's okay life is fine yeah ron like, perlman ron yeah, perlman no confronts val kilmer and he's like yeah. Write an essay to pass my college course. It's <laughs> yeah, right. prove, prove to me that God is not real. That's right. And then it's All really right. sad because Ron Perlman gets hit by a car and in his dying breath, he, he recants and, and accepts Jesus. And then Sabrina, <laughs> the teenage witch, is a teacher in high school later on. And the ACLU <laughs> yes. is like, I'm going to murder your dog if you say the name Jesus. Yes. I'll just yes. say, like, we th this is a rare time to be grateful for Netflix because if it had not left Netflix... That oh was God. probably going to be my April pick last year. Jesus. Everyone say quiet prayer that Brian is not willing to subscribe to Pure Flix. <laughs> <laughs> so David Thewlis, right? He goes back to the the main location to yeah. find the serum, right? For future girlfriend, wannabe future girlfriend. And he has this silent meltdown. We talked already about like how he threw a temper tantrum <laughs> like earlier. This silent meltdown is a masterclass in acting. I love this moment. The next, really the next five minutes yeah. are oh, the most oh. glorious <laughs> five minutes of the movie, yes. which we're about uh, to talk about. But it starts with this David Thewlis silent meltdown. It just a lot of mouth acting and shoulders. It's wonderful. I love it. So the start of the best section of the film, I'll, I'll let whoever, <laughs> whoever, whoever wants the honor. I just want to say that it, at first, before I realized how great it was going to be, I was like, how embarrassing. There are no good quotes from the first half of the film to use. 
<laughs> yeah, because David Thewlis, during his silent meltdown, you hear Marlon Brando in the, in the much more like his godfather voice, repeating his judge not lest you be judged. And like my first, I was like, oh, is this like him remembering like the voice? And then like he starts like looking around and he's like, oh, is this like playing over the speakers? Is this like in Mindhunters when they're playing Val Kilmer over the speakers? Well, it sort of is because he looks over and there is a figure in the chair across from him wearing a similar white muumu in bathed in the green light. And you hear, and you could tell the, this Brando is coming from him, coming from this figure. And you're like, is Brando alive? Who, who is in this chair? You know exactly who the fuck is in this chair. It's Val Kilmer, baby. <laughs> and he, my God, this Brando impression. Alexander wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> well, that's the thing. People forget that Val Kilmer is like, he is an amazing imitator. Like, like if you, I was lucky enough. I, I got to see him when he played, when he played Mark Twain and like, it was incredible. He had blended so well into that, that character and into like the, the essence and image and like the, the, the minuscule sounds that we had. It's cool to see him be so good at his craft, but like at the same time, they needed to institutionalize him after this movie. They had to have, because like, this this performance is out of this world unhinged like from this point forward he has lost his mind in this movie my guess is that's chronological filming and he was just so pissed that brando got the lead before him he's like <laughs> like fuck you you don't leave before i do i'm here's what i'm gonna do yeah. i'm gonna die oh, oh. wasn't even in the script he's like i'm doing a brando impression there's apparently the a bit of trivia at least one day of filming was lost to be pretty much lost because both Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando refused to come out of their trailers until the other one did. <laughs> I want that movie. I want that movie. I hope that David Thewlis, like the way this was resolved now in my brain, David Thewlis went into Val Kilmer's trailer and did this same slap fight with him because <laughs> this fight. So good. Like, okay. So we had David Thewlis like crushing yeah. it, silent acting, beautiful. Then we have Val Kilmer going totally berserko and doing a, a Brando accent. Magnificent. And how does it escalate? It escalates with these two men grabbing each other's faces, just slapping each other a little bit here and there and just like shaking each other's shoulders. And this fight, I was enraptured. I loved every second of this little fight. And I was like, okay, this is a great movie. I love the moment too, where Val Kilmer gets up and like walks away from the situation. And you realize that he stuffed his stomach too, to also be fat, like Brando and like all of his stuffing falls out from underneath. And he just kind of kicks it away and walk. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah. So meanwhile, Boba Fett is turned traitor oh and God. is doing, doing, making the classic mistake where he's like, where he goes to the bad guys. Like I, I'm going to play both sides. Like I'm going to help you out. See, I know where the guns are. But I'll only tell you where the guns are if you get rid of my pain implant. And they, they do. And lo and a uh, uh, hyena swine like bites it out. Oh, uh, yeah. But but before he does it, though, he throws a temper tantrum and just starts throwing himself on the ground because he's like, no, no more people. There's too many people in the people club and we want to be the people animals. So no, no more. This is where the movie actually improves on something in the book, because Hyena swine and gang are like, well, we we're going to make sure that David Lewis can't get off this island. So we're going to light the dock on fire 
and like burn down the 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 house and everything in the book prendick burns it all down accidentally <laughs> he like he's like looking to it with a lantern and he gets distracted and like drops lantern and like walks to go check on something and just like accidentally sets everything on fire i'm sorry brian that is so much better <laughs> I, I would love this movie so much more if that if if David Thewis was like, oopsie goof, and dropped If it just, it just became Mr. Bean for like yeah. five minutes of David Thewlis as Mr. Bean, just like, no, oh, oh. Are we sure he's not Mr. Bean? Because uh, in case you wondered, after he finds out that Val Kimmer has destroyed all of the regression serum, he goes into the lab and he is, as far as I can tell, looking in random containers. And trying, <laughs> I'm assuming, trying to figure out how to make his own serum so he can fuck this cat lady. Yeah, so he's like picks up a like a thing of hydroxy whatever, and he's yeah. like, he like opens the lid and looks at like, is this science juice? Yeah, like what the fuck, man. But this is where my next note is all caps. What the butt rock? Well, because we're about to get into the uh, animal orgy scene. I'm sorry, the orgy scene from Matrix Two with animals. Yeah, it's 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 bonkers like he goes down this elevator to like find Val Kilmer again Val Kilmer has come down into the orgy oh yeah because now he is the benevolent god he causes the orgy Ashley yeah yeah Uh, because he he gave them drugs he's mouth-to-mouth administering (laughs) ecstasy to them as far as I can tell if you had any doubt what time period this was filmed just listen to the song used for this moment it's just like it's like a nine inch nails like knockoff industrial bullshit fart rock song it's so bad <laughs> and it's one of those things that just comes out of nowhere it's like is this the song that they are listening to i think by this point when they're editing they knew like yeah this our demographic is going to be 10 to 14 year old boys like we can't our demographic is going to be and they like looked at the at the paper that said what the demographic was and they with there's a blank page and they're like uh-oh they had a budget surplus of like 10 million dollars and they were like Let's get some royalties. Like, let's, yeah, let's pay out yeah. some royalties. Let's pay some royalties. What can we get for ten dollars? Yeah. So, <laughs> am I am I to understand? Because this is the part of the movie that has always and will forever confuse me. So maybe somebody can help me figure this out. Was he trying to grow a new David Foolis, or was it something else? Like, or was he just using part of? His I think it was like he was just he was like using the DNA like to try to create like a new serum or something. Like, it, then what's the problem? I mean, I think it's probably a thing of like, it's probably not going to stop there. Oh. Yeah, I, it's okay. I don't want to, I don't want to skip over anything, but I, 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 we have to talk about this scene when, when the cat lady meets him in the lab. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, so I was starting to lose my mind. So every Kilmer scene is more insane than the last one, uh-huh. which seemed impossible early on in the film. But here we are after the orgy has started and then they come down and I'd say they finally kill Kilmer. And I wrote down, there's one problem taken care of. By the way, Brandon, <laughs> his original death in the original script was a hog lady was supposed to be going down on him during this scene where he gets shot. And when he gets shot, he falls over. She bites his dick off and spits it out. <laughs> like, that's what? how that's again, the, the original concept of this movie was going to be like a hard R, like intense horror, grotesque drama. Like, and they the studio was obviously and for good reason was like we're not having you have a lady bite his cock off here's no. the thing here's <laughs> the thing i we don't i don't want to begrudge anyone their kings yeah. but this person seems really they put a lot of their script about fucking animals into this script it's all i'm saying there's a lot there's a lot of smoke 
and I'm starting to wonder if there's fire. And then, oh God, yeah, the the very subtle, the very subtle kills Val Kilmer, looks around, has a gun. Now we are men. Not before Val Kilmer says, I want to go to dog heaven. (laughs) And also, I think the reason, the real reason that they kill Val Kilmer is because he stops doing the Brando voice. As they should have killed him, yes. But we talked about before, basically, he finally finds the thing. They were like experimenting on his DNA. Val Kilmer took his DNA like on the first ship he was on. There's like a little half clone thing and like just a lot of notes and like jars of samples from him. And he's reading Crucible comes to him. Cat Lady comes to him. And basically, he, he reveals through dialogue that looking at the research that Dr. Moreau was going to use David Thewlis's DNA to permanently stop her regression. To which my response was, what, why, how? <laughs> and then when he's like, my DNA was the key to stop your aggression. I had, I'm pleased to report this does not come to pass, but I had a moment where I just like had to pause. Chris, if you had been there, it would have been like, it's, it's the don't give me hope moment. I yeah, like, yeah. I'd be like, please, please don't fuck your DNA into this woman. <laughs> Brandon, my exact note is, well, I know one way to give her some of your DNA, winky face. <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, don't, don't make David Hewlett fuck his DNA into this woman. I'm sorry. The, Counterpoint it, it is cowardly yes. that he doesn't fuck her. <laughs> it is, it is, it is a goddamn cowardish thing that they don't let him fuck her in this movie. Does he, he fuck her in the book? This character is not in the book. What? Ashley, to answer your question. So. In 1932, there was a movie released called The Island of Lost Souls. Island of Lost Souls was the original like interpretation of this source material. MGM had the rights to it. And MGM said, we need this to have a romantic element to it. So make the make a Panther lady, the Panther lady that's in the book, she needs to fall in love with somebody. We need a female to, to have to want to be with a man. That's what has to happen. That's where all of this really started. MGM is to blame. The more important thing is, though, uh, the Heine gang shows up. They shoot barrels of fuel and blow up the the barn with all the that had all the animals in previously. And we get a delightfully hilarious explosion jump, which is <laughs> it looks like a, a mannequin stuffed into an air cannon and just shot in front of an explosion. It's <laughs> phenomenal. But Hyena Pig needs to really learn some trigger discipline because he <laughs> yeah. picks up this machine gun and just like, I guess I'll spin around in a circle, firing it at the head height of all my henchmen. I mean, nobody has good trigger discipline in this movie. I mean, like in the earlier scene where David Thewlis is smoking weed with Val Kilmer in the Radio Shack, he's sitting holding the gun upside down, like casually against his head. Yeah, because he, even he's just like, I just got to get out of this. I don't care what it takes. I got to fuck that cat lady and then I can kill myself. It'll be fine. Well, the cat lady does get fucked. Oh, man, I am so <laughs> fucking mad about this, though, because they missed a an amazing opportunity because like when they had yeah, to fuck this cat lady <laughs> well yeah a, a this also could have been like because they escaped the the first room and they get to a second area this could have been like a hey we're alone now like we, we can fuck now like you know whatever kind of a situation but instead these other animals that are hunting them down find them and like are fighting the cat or fighting Feruza as the cat lady or whatever. And she jumps out of the way because she has cat powers now because she regressed to the point where she could just jump massive amounts of feet with no effort at all. And they, they Bill Sykes her and like hang her and everything. And they do the shadow where you see her hanging and everything. And she's got her teeth and her claws are out and she's rah, 
yeah, finally, we're getting Cat Lady. But they're not brave enough in the silhouette to give us a tail. Give me a tail. I want to see the tail come out and just swing behind her as well. I don't think she has a tail, but she hasn't progressed I, that far. I know, but like this is a but it'll be fun. How fun would it be if you're like, oh, it's sad that she's dead, but look at that tail. Honestly, <laughs> I was just excited it happened because I was done. Oh shit, did that happen? Because I was like, I was like, okay, whatever. He's gonna escape with the Catwoman and then fuck her in the mainland. Or like that. That is where it felt like it was going. I was like, okay, good. At least it's it's like bonkers and it's not gonna go to the obvious place. Thulos gets drug out into like the main area, and uh, hyena pig is or hog or whatever is looking, and he's he's got an audience in front of everybody, and it and it's reflecting our earlier trial because it's like. Hyena Pig now has become God. He has become Marlon Brando. Maling has become David at this point. And it's like, I'm here and I'm going to kill you now, but I'm not going to show you mercy. And this is where David uh, Thulis looks at him and goes, hmm, but you consumed your God earlier. And so did a oh. few of your other people. I, I have a feeling this transubstantialism is going to fuck you over a little bit. Well, yeah, th- there's there, well, for, yeah, for, he kills Boba Fett, sadly, because Boba yeah, Fett's yeah. the one who brings it to him. And that's um, why you ne- that's why you never sell out to the Joker types. Like, that's why you yep, never true. be like, yep. hey, I'm going to play both sides, because as soon as you fulfill your usefulness, you're dead. <laughs> that's all right. Done. He's not great at inspiring loyalty in his troops. Spoiler alert for very briefly. <laughs> um, I was so sad because this movie was just bonkers enough that. So he's, he's like in David Thewis's face. He's like, tell them, tell them I am a god. And then he goes, you are a god. And I was waiting. I, I would have put so much money on the fact that he's going to go, you are a god, a goddamn piece of shit. And then like headbutt him or <laughs> yes! something. Like I was so ready for that. And well, I'm, I mean, I'm, to your point, Brandon, they tried to make this like a heavy action film in the last 30 minutes for like no reason that had led up to this point at all. And for what it's worth, David Thulis, he says, like, you're a god. And he starts going into this speech about like, if you, you're kind of all gods by creative. And this is where I noted that despite Brandon's concerns, David Thewlis is being a little stinker. <laughs> he's got a little he's got a little yeah. trick up his sleeve. Except if I if I may stinker to stinker, give him a little advice. Maybe the part of the speech where you like put doubts into his followers heads and so discord. Maybe you shouldn't exclusively whisper that part to just the one. person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Say the yeah. say the out loud part out loud. Come on. Yeah, I'm like, bro, you gotta say it because the other guy, they, there's no reaction shots of any of his henchmen listening, and yeah. it's just the one boss getting paranoid. And during this whole interaction, this whole exchange, all I could think was the smell, the smell oh. of hyena swine's breath in David Thewlis's face. But so David Thewlis destroys his enemies with logic and reason. <laughs> I, I'm so I glad I said you're all his flesh, so you're all God. Uh-oh, who's in charge now? Yeah, who's, who's God number one? <laughs> there must be a God number one. And that's where all the back is like, oh, shit. And they all start murdering each other. You, you know who's God now, though? Honestly, it's Maling, because he just walks up out of nowhere from this movie and picks up a torch and blows the fuck up out of this place. Like, boom, baby. Boom, yeah, my favorite is, the, yeah, the one guy who yells why when he gets shot. And I'm like, why indeed? Why indeed? <laughs> any yes. of and yeah, Hyena's wine ultimately is just kind of like, oh, because he realizes now he's outnumbered and all the good animals are, st- are back and they're like, they're oh, all beating but, the shit out of him. He's like, fuck this. Oh, and just walks into the fire. Brian, Brian, I'm sorry. You can't gloss over that the best character in this movie, Assassin, 
finally gets to use his baseball bat for good because he just beats the shit out of this guy. And it's great. I mean, it's it's if if he's going to use the baseball bat, it needs to be like full casino, just like sure, just demolishing this guy. It was at this moment that I realized that the reason why David Thewlis hasn't had more to do is because the role of Ed is that of a documentarian. He's mm-hmm. really just there to observe and not to mess with the natural order. He cannot step in and save anyone. He can't hurt anyone. He can't do any of it. That's can't not have sex with any cat people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yep. I don't understand this, like us leaving the island scene where he's like, oh, you're my favorite person, assassin man, even though we didn't speak more than 30 seconds in this movie. Hey, Ron Perlman, I'm glad you're still here to give me advice for reasons I don't need. Oh, and the cowardly lion man. I'll miss you most of all. That's right. Yeah. Ron Perlman basically like comes back into the movie to be like, did you know it was allegory? Did you get it? (laughs) And then David Thewlis is like, I don't think they quite got it. So I'm going to make it really, really explicit. Like, oh, man is beast and animal. And, animal and that's man. another ah. thing straight from the book. Like the end yeah. of the book is that he gets back to the mainland and he like he basically yeah. just becomes paranoid. Like he's like looking at people like, oh, they're they're all going to revert at any second. Like they're all like, this, we're we're all animals. Like, oh, God, and he just and he basically he just goes off in the middle of nowhere and studies astronomy. <laughs> Everybody deep down is a piece of shit. Ah. Uh, Ashley, you, you make fun, but I wrote down. Oh, thanks. I didn't get that theme. i i think what's what's interesting is the book itself there's a lot of really interesting ideas that you could make a a fun feature film out of but like this movie just takes all the dumb parts of the book and says all right now make it a a modern film and add guns there honestly it's like part of the problem is that it's it's a modern day thing and not not a period piece because in the period piece like you you have a lot more leeway of like oh this is just like kooky science where he's sewing animals together and like i feel like he can get away with it more if it's not in the modern day because it's it's the problem like every modern movie runs into where it's like ah but what about cell phones and you're like ah fuck and this boat that he's trying to leave this island on like he's not making it back to the mainland he has just decided i am better off to just die out in open sea like just I mean, let they, me die out here. again the thing with <laughs> i mean like he does have a similar boat in the book and basically it's like he's just out at sea for a few days and he runs into it he finds another boat and the whole thing starts all over again <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take him yeah we're just on our way to this island oh you guys you guys went to moreau island a you got to go to moreau island b yeah, That's site, where the gotta go to site b are. it's where we yeah. got Here's the spinosaurus the <laughs> yeah if this if this had the fucking balls of the uh god the emerald we watched yeah, deep rising. Yeah. He'd get on a second island and just a bunch of kids would come out carrying a seashell and he'd go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but only because like one of them has a slightly upturned nose that looks a little hoggish. His name is Piggy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> just like I no, I I want I want the shared cinematic universe of this poor bastard who keeps landing on all the doomed <laughs> islands. Of oh, fiction. the final one he lands on the <laughs> island with Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks thinks he's he's the volleyball. Like your name's Gulliver, yep. right? He finally makes it back to the mainland, settles down to a quiet farm, and then it's like, wait, all these animals could talk. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I know the answer from the three of you, but I love this movie. It's trash that you need to watch at least once. Yeah, it's just fun. It's guilty pleasure, and it's just over the top and stupid acting and bad. And, of course, like there's just so much like lore behind the badness of the movie and what happened. And honestly, like, 
do yourself a service. If you don't want to watch the movie because it's bad, that's totally fine. But do yourself the service and watch the documentary Lost Souls. Like it will open up your mind to everything else that happened and it will change. Like you'll want to watch the movie after you see that. I promise. Zeitgeist trash. Like <laughs> I'm glad that I've seen it now. I, I do want to read the short story. It's just, it's cause it's not, it's not long, right? It's like, I mean, it's like a 170 page. It's like a short, it's like a novella. I've actually never read it. So I think I need to do my due diligence I mean, it's, after it's not a, it's it. not a particularly interesting read. Well, HDL Wells really wasn't, that particularly interesting of an author like he had cool concepts but he didn't write stories very well like he's yeah like, i think that's the, the thing science is like, which is fun but that's about it oh it's trash baby it's trash <laughs> trash it trash it up sometimes trash is good though yeah i'm not i'm not knocking sometimes you need trash that's fine it makes movies like what we saw this weekend so much better so much better not that that movie needed to be better because everything everywhere at once is fan fucking tastic yeah i don't know if anyone on the internet has mentioned this we're probably the first ones to ever say anything good about this movie (laughs) (laughs) i gotta tell you this week was a shock for me when it came to our uh, amazon trash to treasures i was shocked a because 62% 62% of people on Amazon gave this a five-star rating. I don't think that is correct for the movie. I, I, I'd say maybe half and half, but 62 seemed high. Um, but the person I was introduced to this week, Tina, only had three reviews altogether on her page. When were they written, Chris? Um, one was 2016, okay, one was good. 2012, and one was 2009. Tina gave this movie a five-star review. She called it Getting What Is Shown on Amazon is the title of the review. Getting What Is Shown on Amazon. I got what I ordered. Wonderful. Five stars. I love Val Kilmer. He's funny in this movie. Oh, to be one of the animals who got to taste his lips. Ah, there it is. There's only two other reviews. and Are they Val Kilmer related? They're both Val Kilmer related. Hardboard cut out of Val Kilmer. (laughs) And they're both based on other movies Val Kilmer has been in. Oh, when I saw him, when I saw him as a corpse hanging from the ceiling doing that silly (laughs) dance. All in my head, all I could hear was bye, bye, bye. It's for Willow. Five stars. Title of the review is it's Willow. The review goes as such. No lies detected. That's right. (laughs) It's Willow. What's not to love? Five stars. Also, Val Kilmer is a total daddy in this movie. Protect me, Val. Fight evil for me, Val. The do what you want with me, Val. If you know, you know. Five stars. I don't know. I don't want to know. The last and final review is for The Doors. Come on, daddy. Light my fire is the title of the review. Val, baby, you're killing me in those leather pants. Your feline energy, that bulge. You are my sex spirit guide. Take me away. I know I'll never have you, but I'll only be imagining you from now on. I'm okay. I'm going to say this. Val, kill her. <laughs> but have, you, have you seen David Thewlis? I mean, just, come on. I Those mean, leather pants, that bulge. <laughs> I, I just, I just, yeah, I, when he, when he's fighting Wonder Woman as, as the God of War, I'm like, yes. <laughs> as Ares, oh yeah, everyone's favorite fucking film role. What a compelling <laughs> character Ares is. 
I got to tell you, I, I thought this month was was pretty fun, but I'm excited for us to get into our musical May. I want some I'm themes, so baby. I love me a theme. I love yeah. me a theme. And honestly, us, it's musicals. Let's let's do it. Let's movie game it. It's the most musical month of the year. I am so excited. Musical May <laughs> movie game. Christmas for Brandon, except also Christmas because Brandon loves Christmas. Ashley, <laughs> you're first up as always. What musical madness are you bringing our way? So this is a movie from 1968. Damn. Rated G. It is two hours and 24 minutes long. God damn. Horrifying suspicion what this movie is. I Ashley. And it is adventure family fantasy. Is this Dr. Doolittle? It is not. Oh, thank God. Uh, uh, is this oh. Bedknobs and Broomsticks? No. Okay. Is this a Disney joint? I thought it was, but it doesn't look like it. DVD two pack it for me. Like not and it doesn't have to be a musical. Uh, it could be something that's similar to it. I mean, you've said them all. Um, but we'll go with Mary Poppins. So does someone have magic powers? Is that the fantasy? Yeah. Are they like a witch? Oh my god, chitty chitty bang bang. It's chitty chitty oh. bang bang. Oh, okay. Yeah, as soon as you said magic powers, I'm like, fuck, chitty chitty bang bang. The other one. That's not uh, Disney? It doesn't look like it. it's not on Disney Plus. I just assumed. Holy shit. Based on the book by Ian Fleming, James Bond's Ian Fleming. I mean, it does have all the uh, all the classic trappings of a spy novel. So, yeah. If you're not tired of hearing from us and you want to follow us on all of our social media platforms to keep you going through the week until Thursdays, you can follow us on all those platforms. Brian, where are we located? We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Trash Watch Podcast. We are on Twitter at Trash Watch Cast, and we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash trash watch. And because it's the end of the month, give a shout out to our $5 treasure tier patrons, Dave Johnson and Tom Roseman. Thank you again for your patronage and we'd love to see more of you there and read your names at the end of this episode. Yep. Don't forget, we are currently doing our push to get to our $50 goal on Patreon by the end of June. So we can hopefully uh, we have a fifth thursday in june and as long as we hit that goal then we will be uh getting suggestions and then allowing our patrons to vote on what movie we're going to cover so if there's some piece of crap you wanted to force uh the amber seals to watch this is your chance get on there get your friends uh we we love doing the show but we would love if it didn't cost us money to do this show yes yep yep and again anything that you can do would would help us to reach those goals so please like subscribe tell your friends about it tell your parents about it uh you know and we'll see what happens we we have a lot of really great t-shirt ideas and a lot of really great other things on the works but we need people to subscribe like and be part of that patreon for those next levels to happen All right. Well, until next week, when actually, I can't believe I'm going to say the words. There's a child catcher in this movie. Yep. Oh, God. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang next week, everybody. I've been Chris. I'm Brian. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ashley. No, you are truly scrumptious. That's next week. Oh, you're right. She was ready for it. She was going to drop that. That would have been a much better bit. Too bad. End of the episode. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs>